Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. See the shots that I took. Wet like I'm booked. Wet like I'm booked. Wet like I'm booked. This is an Arizona sports special. The Phoenix Suns are the focus for Empire of the Suns with Callan Olson and Kevin Zimmerman. On the Arizona Sports app at 98.7. Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman, live radio edition. What's up, buddy? Still doing the pause thing. I'm good. How are you? I'm trying. I'm trying to get people to uh, wrap in and, 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 you know, just really exactly see what's going on here, which is us doing two hours of live radio for those of you listening over the podcast format, which is going to be many of the people listening to this, honestly, but we've got a lot of people listening live right now, and we get to do this really unique thing, Kevin, called sleeping and absorbing our thoughts and coming back with uh, fully-fledged takes, because I think we would have honestly podcasted twice by now. I think that we probably would have gone... Friday night, I think I ended the pod by saying the only way we come back is if they fill out their whole roster. And, and that's pretty much what they did. And then on Sunday, of course, the Eric Gordon signing. We have got a ton to get into, but where we will start straight up with the first segment of the show is just what they have done, which is they have signed seven players. They've re-signed two, added five more. The re-signees, those are Josh Akogi and Damian Lee. The five new names, Eric Gordon, Yuta, Watanabe, Drew Eubanks, I'm going to forget the other two. They're Kata Bates, Diop, and Shimezi Metu. It's a lot of names to get through, and I think the most surprising thing, Kevin, and something we've been talking about for weeks now has been what the Suns have had at their disposal, which after all of this kind of uh, Bradley Beal stuff went down, we figured out and got some clarity on what it would be in free agency, which was just the veterans minimum. So I know at first glance for a lot of not even casual, but they're hardcore NBA fans who look at this roster and what they did and are just like, they did okay, but they didn't do great by any means. But you look at the limitations in front of them, how they were only able to use the minimum. I think a few of these guys could have gotten more money elsewhere. And I think the Suns did a fantastic job in free agency so far. Eric Gordon obviously is the big one, right? Where he, he probably could have gotten a lot more money. I mean, he was going to make about $21 million and then they cut him from the Clippers to save money and go elsewhere. His market wasn't that. Maybe it was half of that. Maybe it was a third of that. But that's the big one. But the, the, the other ones are more surprising, and I think we'll get to Eric Gordon later. Eric Gordon, sorry, I keep doing that. But... The other guys, not on good teams the last few years, younger, um, Kata Bates-Diop, Drew Eubanks, but if you watch them and if you watched a Spurs game and they're losing by 20 last year or something, you watch a Trailblazers game from a few years ago, Drew Eubanks, you can see those guys pop on the screen and you can see the good things they do on not very good teams. And I, I think the Josh Okogie, um Comparison might make sense to those guys where he was toiling away on the Timberwolves and he doesn't look very good because he's has one elite skill on a not so great team the last few years. And then suddenly you put him on the Suns this year and he's basically the starter um, for much of the back half of the season. So I think those guys are in that line where the value is not going to be appreciated by casual NBA fans or even even fans who watch a lot of NBA if they're watching national games and that kind of thing. Here's why this was a runaway success, Kevin, and why I went as far as to proclaim that they should get perfect tens for their offseason with how they've handled it. They brought in six guys who were coming off the best years of their career, 
and could have gotten more money elsewhere based off of that. And if you don't believe me, we'll run through all six names right now. We got Josh Okogie, who you talked about a lot there. Sure, a year or two in Minnesota, maybe he was more productive statistically, but the way he impacted winning basketball in the regular season especially was something now it fell off for him a bit in the playoffs. But with that being said, what he brought in the regular season and his skills, which were his de- uh, defining offensive skills, which were his three-point shot and his decision-making, those two things just fell off a bit in the postseason. If those come back, he can be a playoff contributor next year. I'm not ruling that out by any means. Damian Lee toiled around in Golden State for a bit, found a role here and there, but there was some stupid criticism of him that he was only there because he's related to Steph and all this stuff. He comes here, third and three-point percentage, makes a lot of heady, smart plays. I thought he should have been in the playoff rotation from the jump, and I thought that when he did get a chance under Monty Williams, he played really well. Looking for shooters like that who can be your 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th guy and can be called on in any moment and play well. That's something that he showed he could absolutely do last year. I mean, you can look at the season opener, for example, not necessarily a game where he was looking at a huge role and then he makes huge plays in the fourth and he made huge shots in the fourth quarter all year. You go through the four free agents, Yuta Watanabe. Has been impactful in Memphis and Toronto, but his three-point shot really came around in Brooklyn. He made a lot of tweaks to it, and when the team was designed around superstars, where a guy like Yuta thrives, he was playing terrific basketball, wasn't missing three, shot over 50% from the corners on the year. When Kyrie and KD uh, go, his role kind of goes down because he needs someone to set him up, and they didn't really have the superstars or even stars capable of doing that like they will perhaps in the future, Drew Eubanks, I think he's been productive before in the past, but he was pretty much viewed as the better center out of him and Yusuf Nurkic for them. I was more surprised the more I went into his numbers how the Suns exactly got him for the minimum. I'm not exactly sure because his efficiency at the rim was really good. His efficiency from the mid-range with his hook shots, his floaters and stuff like that was really good. And I know some people got PTSD for me tweeting clips of a guy using floaters and using hook shots, but that's an important part of the short roll specifically where you have a guy make a dribble or two and then get a shot out of it, and that's something that he can do. He doesn't need to take three dribbles and slam into anyone. It's more about how proactive he is with his dribble to compare it to DeAndre specifically. So he joins DeAndre and forms an incredibly efficient offensive front court right there, at least at the center position. And then the two other names, Kade Bates Diop kind of toiled around, to use that word again, for three or four years. Someone who came out of Ohio State, we probably talked about him on our podcast before that draft at some point, Kevin. Yeah. Finally put things together last year, shot 39% from three, turned into an effective defender, and Pop had the quote at the end of the year, Greg Popovich, the head coach of the Spurs, who said, like, he's carved out an NBA career now. It did, And he admitted, like, it did not look like it was heading that way at first, but I'm really proud of him, and he's done a lot well with confidence, aggression, and so on. And then Shemezi Metu, he played more and was more productive two years ago, but he was working in a three-point shot. He only shot 45% from the field because he was taking a ton of threes. Went back to more of a screen a screener, roller, diver, finisher at the rim and played extremely, not extremely well because I think he would have carved out a clear-cut rotation piece in the playoffs. That's where they went more towards Alex Len. Rashawn Holmes was in the mix there. But the fact that he beat those guys out for time, uh, at times was playing in a pretty half-decent role for a pretty good team. Again, got the minimum. Like I'm, I'm very surprised the more I look at this. Let's go over themes real quick. You got rim pressure, three-point shooting because you don't need more mid-range guys with Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, and Kevin Durant. You got, you don't need that. You need rim pressure. You need three-point shooting. What do you mean by rim pressure? So, in many different ways. So, campaign even is rim pressure because he can drive. Um, obviously, he was picked up um, in the past week, fully guaranteed his contract to return. Um, rim pressure is Chemezi Metu can catch. He's not a great three-point shooter, but he can catch, take two dribbles, straight line, 
attack the rim, really athletic. Drew Eubanks, yes. rim roller, very athletic, not a, a true center, I would say. He's undersized, but great leaper. You looked at the shot block numbers, and, and there's a little bit of surprising stuff there. But on offense, it, it's just roll to the rim, guy. If you set a screen for Devin Booker, you'll get you'll get fed if the defense is not covering that. Um and yeah, and even when you go to Jordan Goodwin, who was part of that Beal trade, that's yeah. that's a guy who can. He's working on his three point shot too, so that's kind of up in the air. But he can get to the rim in transition and otherwise. So I think that was a big thing that I'm not going to complain about probably anymore, which I did the last three years because it was who can get to the rim other than Devin Booker. Um, Chris Paul wouldn't. DeAndre Ayton had a floater game, and that was pretty much it. Like. They they really can open up the floor and dictate offense around these three stars now. That's not surprising they did that. Um, and then the other theme is younger. I mean, more athleticism. It's kind of with the rim pressure, but I think these guys are switchable. Drew Eubanks can probably guard fours and fives. Metu could guard bigger threes um, and even play small ball five, I think. So there there's a lot of versatility. Bates Diop is the one who I think... I'm going to think he's going to get a lot of the Tory Craig minutes. We're going to hit on him a lot, too. Yeah. yeah. So so there's just a lot of defensive versatility with these guys. I, I guess the going young brings up the who's going to shine in the playoffs, and that's going to be the biggest question that we can get into a little later. But I think when you look at the athleticism they added, and also continuity. I mean, the guys they brought back, this isn't going to be like a completely, completely new team. I mean, it looks very, very different without Chris Paul. But... Um, there's enough role players where these guys kind of know each other too. Look, for complete transparency, are we saying that the Suns are the deepest team in the league? No. Are we saying that they have nine or ten guys now they can absolutely rely on when May and June roll around? No. But when you look at all of these roles, on-ball defense, defensive-minded wings, shooting, playmaking, dribble attack guys, just versatility across the board in terms of not only the skill sets that you have, but the players in those skill sets, the Suns got much better than they were last year for the supporting cast, and it's not even close. And the fact that they achieved that by trading a point guard with little to no value, a two-guard who massively struggled for two straight years, six second-round picks, four swaps, one of which should only really matter, and cash, got one of those guys, and then signed the rest on veterans minimum, and they got Bradley Beal? Yeah. Are you kidding me? How is it not A-pluses across the board? They had a wonderful offseason so far, and there could still be more to go, but the biggest buzz about name, Kevin, is Eric Gordon. We will be talking about him next, what he brings, why it was such a bargain for the Suns. That's coming up next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. This is an Arizona sports special. Empire of the Suns with Kellen Olsen and Kevin Zimmerman. Arizona sports, the local sports leader. Welcome back to Arizona sports, the local sports leader. Just like the radio voice man said, my name is Kellen Olsen, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. We're the Empire of the Suns podcast. We're doing a live edition of it because of all the buzz in the valley and kevin no it is not for the return of summer league basketball just getting underway heat nine lakers eight <laughs> jaime Jaquez jr and nicole Jovich are they auditioning for the portland trailblazers in a damian lillard trade the buzz not for that kevin it is for the free agency period that the suns have had they are at least one of the winners of the first weekend if not the Defining winner. We'll talk about other teams in a bit. The Lakers had a pretty good weekend, but 
The cherry on top that really cemented this, Kevin, was on Sunday. If you did not follow the timeline or you couldn't read your timeline because of some doofus, (laughs) you saw on Friday when you could that the sun signed six guys in about two hours. And from then on, we were waiting. We were saying, okay, how many roster spots do they have left? What exactly can they do? And then on Sunday, the news comes down. They have signed Eric Gordon. That is a two-year deal. A player option in the second year. A lot of these deals that the Suns did are two-year deals with a player option for the second year, a.k.a. if this really works out for you, decline that player option and go get paid. If it doesn't work out for you, you got that player option that second year of security. And Eric Gordon comes in, who's a guy who is still worth at least double, if not triple that right now with what he is in the league. It felt like they were, it felt like they still had a defining weakness or two still left on the team. It wasn't to say that they didn't do a terrific job prior to that in free agency, Kevin, but Eric Gordon kind of fills in everything else that they needed after Friday. I mean, they, their roster looked solid already. Um, he gives them a lot more ball handling equity. Another option, another guy who, whether it's Devin Booker, Bradley Beal playing on the ball, running the offense, he can also run the offense. He can run it with campaign. He can run. The point, if a shooting guard is on the court, so, I mean, $3 million for him is a, a steal. Uh, I think that's not hyperbolizing things. But, I mean, we were talking in that Suns series when the Suns played the Clippers in the playoffs. Like, he he doesn't look like he's lost much. I mean, his defense was pretty solid. I'm looking up the numbers now. I know he didn't play the full season with the Clippers, but... I mean, his numbers got even better when he's playing alongside stars. He shot 42% when he's taking five of his eight shots from three. So he's kind of like the Bradley Beal where almost you expect him to shoot way above 40 um, when he's not on the ball and when he doesn't need to do anything more than stretch the floor. And that's where he's also a guy who can be four feet back at the three-point line. So when we talked about spacing our last segment... um, that that's that's a difference. That's four feet more space. So I think that's where he's really going to make a difference. Now, yeah, he's going to add the on-ball stuff. He's a decent passer, facilitator, but I, I just think from a pure shooting perspective, he's a big deal. It's a huge deal. So for those of you not familiar, the uninitiated with Eric Gordon, first of all, weird, because we've been down this road like five times already. <laughs> Secondly, the way that I characterize guys like Eric Gordon in their tenure, he's 34 years old, he's been a while, like when... Uh, when the grandkids and uh, Grandpa Olson gets to sit there and tell his kids about the NBA in like the 2000s and 2010s, like I'm going to be like, you know who was nice? Eric Gordon was nice. Like, who is his, Eric? His heart Gordon. was in Phoenix uh, at one point in time, and then he made a lot of money elsewhere. But and what I mean by that is he's never been an All Star. He's won Six Man of the Year once. He's had he's averaged 16 points per game and shot 43 percent, 37 from three. 81% from the line over the course of his career and has been on really good teams, but has just never been a guy who has been the first, second, or really even third banana on any of those teams. I think the place that we've really seen him shine the most is that it's just one of those, one of my fair, favorite uh, player identity types or player archetypes, a power guard. He's only 6'3", but he is extremely strong. And if you have an out-and-out point guard guard him, he is going to put that point guard under the basket and score over him. He's a really good driver. To your point, 
we got to see him for five games in the first round last year. And like a lot of these guys, like, did we know a lot about Drew Eubanks when that notification came in? Of course we didn't. Like, we're going to sit here and tell you that we don't. And Eric Gordon coming in, I had huge concerns about his defense based on what I had seen in the past. I had huge concerns about his age at this point. How much of a first step does he have? He still has enough of a first step to drive and get by guys. He has a really good handle that hasn't gone anywhere. It's still there, but his primary skill is shooting and something, Kevin, that some NBA teams practice and the Suns at least did in the past. I don't know if they still do, but there's a three point line, obviously, which we all know. What the NBA will do is put spots on the floor or even an out and out line where it's the four point line. And Pick the Suns, point, yeah. I, I am guessing, started doing this a lot more even this year because even Josh Akogi, instead of being 23 feet away from the basket, was 27 feet away from the basket. So his man had to be two feet closer to him. And it's those little tiny margins in kind of a baseball way where teams would make up ground. And Eric Gordon can just shoot from there. I think uh, it was Shane Young who tweeted the average uh, make that he had from three in that series was 27 feet away. And he's pulling like three or four feet away. And you have to be aware of it. If he's running a dribble handoff, if he's coming around a screen, if he's bringing the ball up in transition, he will shoot. And he, I wrote it as he's one of the more unorthodox and best shooters in basketball right now, just in terms of the versatility that you get out of him and where he can be deployed situationally. This was a guy who can run point guard. He can run your offense, like you said. And I think that the main part where he brings in value is that when those big three are either having an off night or they're injured, now Eric Gordon goes from 14 to 20 minutes a game to 28 to 34 minutes a game, and he is still capable of carrying the load there for sure as a scorer and as a shooter. And to our previous discussion and what I wrote about on ArizonaSports.com as well, looking at not so much positions on the team but skill sets and roles, he fills in on ball handling. He fills in on scoring. He fills in on playmaking. He fills in on shooting. So that value alone is there. And I think you and I ended Thursday's podcast looking ahead to free agency. And you and I were like, if and agreed on this, if they're somehow able to get a guy who feels like someone who could close games for them, that is a gigantic win. And I don't care what else they got in free agency. If they just come away with a guy who could absolutely close games, Eric Gordon can close games and specifically looking at his defense. Look, they, they picked on him. They wanted Katie switched on him. He held his own own on a lot of those possessions was annoying, was fast around screens, wiggled around screens a lot better than guys on the suns. To be honest, he's got a ton left in the tank. And the fact that they were able to bring him in is just a gigantic win. It was the cherry on top, but I don't even feel like that was fair. Like, is there like a, you know how they do like the golden chocolate? Is there like a golden cherry that they can put on top? Because that's what he is to this team right now. I don't really have an answer for that thing that you just said, but... Uh, not really a foodie, I get it. No, I'm not a foodie. Um, but no, I mean, that's where this team, when you get into, okay, closing lineups, it gets exciting because... You already have the three guys that we probably aren't going to talk about as much in this um, episode and these next few segments, but okay, you put Eric Gordon spacing out to almost half court. You put Wantanabe on a wing. Like, what do you do? I mean, Aiton, as much as people might criticize criticize him as a rim roller, um, he's going to have so much space to operate. KD and Book are not going to have... The exact same double teams. Again, it might come late. It might come and break down a defense because it's not supposed to come at all. Um, it might come a few seconds, a, a few feet too late or too far away. Um, it, it just, again, the margins are going to matter around these three guys. And you just have to have these options. And that's where, 
look, I, I don't know who's going to start. We'll get into that in another segment, but he's in the ballpark. I don't know if you want him there, but he's certainly a guy who you could say, okay, that makes a lot of sense. But I, I, I would be surprised if he did, honestly, and people might find that shocking because he's probably their fourth best player now. Third, fourth, third, not third. Not third, relax. Fourth, fifth? Not answering that question. Okay. <laughs> so to put it in basketball terms, in terms of all the roles, we might have gotten a little bit too not ahead of ourselves, people kind of listening to us rattle that stuff off. To give you a basketball example and the way that uh, our Australian correspondent on Twitter, David, pointed out when Kevin Durant got here, let's say you've got, Kevin Durant on the right side of the floor, the corner's empty, and he's running double drag or some version where he's going to the right and two screens are coming. One of those is set by Aiden, one of those is set by Watanabe. Watanabe pops out, he's the shooter. Aiden, he rolls. On the other wing, you've got Devin Booker, and on the weak side corner, you've got Bradley Beal. Look at all of those roles and look at where Eric Gordon could come in. He could be the second screener popping. He's a pretty good screener for his size. He could be the ball handler in that situation, or he could be the spacing shooter on either side. Like that's the type of versatility that he's going to provide to any of these types of lineup configurations they're going to look at. And then I think another just really big part of this that we should mention before we go to break is campaign was one of the three best backup point guards in the league three seasons ago. Two years ago and a year ago, it has been more inconsistent, and they were in a position where they could potentially have been relying on him to have a pretty big role on this team. I think he will still have a role on this team, but I think Eric Gordon's arrival brings some stability there and some like just you're, you're going to feel safer um, about him going forward. Now, now, Kevin, we've talked a lot about Eric Gordon. Is he the fifth starter? We've got a half dozen names to roll through, buddy. There's a lot of candidates, and we'll talk about it next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Empire of the Suns with Kellen Olsen and Kevin Zimmerman. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. On the Arizona Sports app at 98.7. Hope you guys are enjoying your Monday pre-July 4th. Stay safe out there this weekend. The great thing about Erin Maloney producing the show, Kevin, is that she asks us about our musical taste so we can just have the good vibe going into and out of breaks. And I just told her, you, you know what I like, pal. It's kind of your stuff in there. You've been killing it so far. Two segments in, pal. Just a thumbs up. You're not going to say anything. Okay. You actually have musical taste, well, too. Well, Kellen, we have the same music taste, oh, so okay. it's easy. We're good. I have no music taste, so it's fine. <laughs> I'll try to just throw some 90s rap in there for you, <laughs> you Kevin. You're, you have taste. Come on. So Thank don't, you. Don't do that to yourself. It's just I, stuck two decades ago. It's fine. As I was feverishly Googling to see if Victor Wembanyama plays today, because that is must-see television if he is here in about an hour and a half, we've got some sun stuff to talk about that's far more pressing in the matters, Kevin, and that is when I tweet out depth charts for anything in any sport, I get a lot of corrections and things put in there, and obviously the thing that is going to inspire the most conversation, now that we have a really good idea of what the roster looks like, something we are going to be talking about later in the show, is that some things could still be happening. They are not done by any means. Now, we'll see if Gambo can report something later in the week or next week if he takes a break from his vacation (laughs) to give us some inclination here of if the Suns are quote-unquote done because they did sign Tumani Kamara reportedly today, which would put them at 16 guys. You can only have 15, so there's at least a move there to be made in and of itself. But the dust settles, and... We still arrive. We talked about this last segment. They have a guy who can be out there for the end of games now in Eric Gordon. But the end of games is different than the start of games. Who do you think should be the fifth starter? 
on July 3rd, Monday, 2023, 3.30 p.m. on the dot. What's your call? All right. I'm going to go the roundabout way and not give you my call right away, but let me explain. Who's the starting point guard for the Sacramento Kings? De'Aaron Fox. Who's the starting point guard for the Los Angeles Clippers? Russell Westbrook. Lakers? It's probably Gabe Austin Vincent. Austin Reeves? Gabe Vincent D-Lo? will be Is it D-Lo? D- Oh, D'Lo, I guess. And it's Gabe D'Angelo Vincent Russell. It should be Gabe Vincent, but yeah. D'Angelo Russell. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> okay. Um, the Warriors? The Warriors is, is Steph, Curry? Steph Curry. So I was just keeping in, in the Pacific Division. Mm-hmm. Um, they need someone who can guard those guys. They and sure do. I, I think it's Josh Kogi. Mm-hmm. I think if you go into camp and you say it's open, which they're definitely going to do because they're a sports ball team and the open competition's great, um, it's going to be... Fuels champions, Kevin. Yes. There's, they're going to say all those things, whatever, but I think it's going to end up being him. Um, honestly, Jordan Goodwin would make sense, too. But campaign, if he really fought and made Frank Vogel trust him, maybe. But I think it's going to be a Kogi because you need a guy who just takes that away from Devin Booker's plate or Bradley Beal's plate. And that's basically where it is going to be, I think. And and yeah, the offensive issues, there might be some, but I, I think that's going to be pretty easy to say for me. To take it back to the same conversation piece, but in a different facet, Mr. Zimmerman. Mm-hmm. We've got those roles that we talked about, right? An extra ball handler, I don't think you need one in the starting lineup. I, don't, I think you're good there. I think you need it in the rotation at some points, but you don't need it. Certainly at the start of games and certainly at the end of games, you do not need it. So we'll take campaign out of the equation. Shooting, you've got Eric Gordon. You've got Damian Lee. You've got Yuta Watanabe. I'm going to include Yuta among the candidates because he is such a great shooter who has size. Now, the defense question is where a lot of these cases come to a hold, a halt, I should say, because is Kade Bates Diop a good defender from what I've seen? Yes. Is Ish Wainwright a good defender from what I've seen? Yes. Is Tumani Kamara a good defender from what I've seen at the college level, like coming into the pros? Yeah. Can those guys guard De'Aaron Fox or John Morant or Damian Lillard or Jamal Murray? Uh, Josh Akogi couldn't guard Jamal Murray. <laughs> so, like, it's it's a really difficult ask to take those guys with size and have them guard them. Now, could Devin Booker? I mean, when we saw Jamal Murray affected the most, it was actually Devin Booker guarding him. And I think that is a very interesting subplot to keep an eye on over the next nine months is how big of a role Devin Booker has defensively, how much of that is him taking on the challenge, as well as, you know, like that he's going to probably be the point guard now of the team, so yeah. it might be asking too much of him, but at the same time, I wrote it, like, if they operate a certain way, he's set up to win, to make an all-defense team. I think that his defense is at that point now, where am I saying he's one of the best 10 defensive players in the league with that statement? I'm not, but I'm saying that from a role impact perspective and as a two-way star in doing it, and there could be nights. That I think, in fact, Kevin, there will be nights where he's guarding other number one options as guards. Like there are going to be nights where he is guarding Anthony Edwards, and there have been already. Like those those um, situations are going to come up. So for that specific role, we've got Josh Kogan, we've got Jordan Goodwin, and I think it comes down to those two guys right now. Again, Goodwin's defense looks really good. I have not seen it long enough to make that kind of declaration where I feel more comfortable like I do with Josh Kogi. And we have to remind ourselves, like, I feel like Jordan Goodwin is a potential playoff contributor. That's how I will phrase it going forward for the next couple of months. He played for a bad team last year, hasn't seen the playoffs, just got in the league two years ago. 
need to slow our roll there if we look at him potentially defending like you're like you're saying like if you're playing the Clippers round one again defending Russell Westbrook like that's <laughs> that's like think about saying that it's like saying it out loud makes it come together a lot better so my pick is as well Josh Akogi, but I am going to put it down as something that is going to be very fluid and typically I would give Josh Akogi bonus points because he's a returning player but it's going to be in Frank Vogel's defensive system, so everyone is going to be a day-one guy in terms of picking up the system. So if Jordan Goodwin is 40% further ahead than Josh Akogi in terms of understanding what Frank Vogel wants and gets it, remember when Abdul Nader kept playing over and over again and people were like, <laughs> what is he doing out there? The He is the uh, two years ago Landry Shamit, the uh, two... The one year ago, Alfred Payton, there's a guy every year. It looks like it's a runaway for Ish Wainwright right now, based on my Twitter mentions so far, but we'll see. If there's a reason a guy is out there, that usually means it's because he is executing what the coach wants. Yeah. That's why Landry Shamit was out there so much. That's why Alfred Payton was out there so much, and it's why Abdul Nader was out there so much. So if you're wondering why Jordan Goodwin is out there, over Josh Akogi or vice versa, when it seems like one other player is more impactful, that's because from a scheme execution standpoint, they are better. But we're looking at a day one with Vogel here. I'm going to put it down to those two guys. But uh, I, I will I will do the um, live from San Antonio. I'm Kellen Olson on ESPN. We've got breaking news here. A very fluid situation. Kevin, I don't know why I went San Antonio. My brain's just on Webby. I can't wait to see it. I'm so excited. But this is a fluid situation, and what I mean by that is I think we're going to see a lot of guys get get a chance there, at least in training camp, obviously. But I think even in the regular season. And look, guess what, Kevin? These guys are going to get hurt. Yeah. Kevin Durant's not going to play 82 games. Devin Booker's not going to play 82 games. Bradley Beal's not going to play 82 games. They're going to play 65 to 75, somewhere in that range. And when they do, that's when someone like Tumani Kamara could get a shot. That's when Kade Bates-Diop could get a shot. That's when Yuta Watanabe could get a shot. And how they do in those opportunities will and ultimately could determine who's the fifth starter. Because guess what, Kevin? Just happened last year. Yeah. Josh Okoge wasn't in the rotation. He played super well, and now he's the starter going into the playoffs. And and that's where, when we get back as a whole, the roster construction of this team is super interesting. Because if you said, okay, you're playing in a playoff series, I don't even care if Josh Okoge starts every single regular season game. If they played the Nuggets, and you saw Devin Booker, we know he can defend Jamal Murray, and they match up against the Nuggets... Well, Bates Diop, if he's been playing well all season, he might get a start if you just want Kevin Durant on a certain player um, on, I don't know, Michael Porter Jr. or Aaron Gordon, and you just like the matchups better um, for the forwards, and, and you can get away with Book playing the lead guard. So I'm that's why I like the signings as a whole, too, because I just think that it doesn't even matter, and it's going to be matchup-based when we talk about this team, and championship aspirations um that's the goal right is you have all these options sure a gonna be great during the regular season i can bank on that i think um but if he has another spurt in the playoffs where the shot's not going down and teams are just letting him sit there by himself um and the matchups will allow it then you have options and that's that's the biggest thing where again Bates Diop I think is the guy who's going to get the most recognition here because just versatile defender um efficient shooter that's where he really took a step forward last year for the Spurs and and yeah I, I think there are a lot of options here I guess Kevin one yep. of the dynamics of our podcast, we just had a role reversal earlier in the segment, actually, is me putting you on the spot. And that right there, yeah. I was like, Clippers point guard, you got this, you got this focus. Yeah. The Warriors one you already know. I was really in. You you, you love this. In, yeah. You love this, as you can tell by Kevin's uh, noises that he just made. 
Let's change the game up a little bit. So uh, we've got four players, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton. They're going to be on the floor a whole lot, so there aren't a lot of minutes to go around. We know Drew Eubanks, as of now, it would it would at least project to be. Look, if Chemezi Metu is looking like a 40% three-point shooter and can protect the rim all of a sudden, get him out there by, by all means. We know... Eubanks will be at the back of five. We feel pretty good about that. We feel pretty good about Eric Gordon being the first probably player off the bench, at least ball handler off the bench, and being a guy who has a definitive role. Yeah. Out of all the other names we mentioned, that is to be clear, Jordan Goodwin, Campaign, Damian Lee, Josh Akogi, Kade Bates Diop, Ish Wainwright, Tumani Kamara, Yudawad Nabi, Isaiah Todd, will sh- shout him out for funsies. Pick two guys who are going to have the most minutes after those six. <sighs> Who, that is tough. Who are going to have the who is going to have the most minutes? And again, fluid guys are going to get hurt, all that kind of stuff. But if you, you said Bates, Diop, and Eubanks are out of there, Eubanks and Gordon are out of there. Is it Kogi? You counted him right. Booker, Beal, Duran, Ayton, Eubanks, oh. and Gordon. Pick two more guys. Kogi. Okay, you're at seven. You're probably so. Not. One thing about Yuta, he was like his name floated all about, and people were excited. He was a 44 percent three point shooter. He's never played more than 16 minutes per game, but I'm gonna pick him. I think. Yeah. So, uh, Kade Bates Diop is a very fascinating name to watch, and the way that I wrote it on ArizonaSports.com on Friday is that he is the guy who has the most upside of any of their signings, including yeah. Eric Gordon. To be clear, because. Didn't really shoot threes that much. When he did, it didn't go well. And then last year, all of a sudden, 39% on about 180 attempts, I want to say, total, which is not a lot. You're looking for three and a half to four a game, five a game. For example, Josh Akogi in the last 20 games of the regular season took four and a half a game, and he's not necessarily a shooter by any means. But in this role, in this system, you're going to have those open looks. Defensively, he is gigantic. If you thought Mikel Bridges' arms were long, Holy Toledo, you got another thing coming. This guy's a couple inches taller, and his arms are a couple inches longer, and he's really come together and look like he can be a key defensive piece on a team. I think it just comes down to his shot. I really do think it does, and his defense as well, because, look, he's going to be out there defensively. I don't know if in San Antonio, from what I was watching, he wasn't like the number one defensive guy who's more of a supporting cast guy, but that's not going to be it, right? So if he starts, like some people pencil him in starting, is he going to guard? Damian Lillard or John Morant or De'Aaron Fox or Steph Curry? Is is Book going to guard that guy? Like Someone has to guard that guy, which is where we keep coming back to a Kogi. But I think that is the real difference maker with him. And the lesson that we learned in that Nuggets series, like, man, if the defense just is what it is, and it's like it's good versus bad, but it's not extremely good yeah. versus terrible, then just have the knockdown shooter in there. Yeah, And that's where Watanabe is going to knock down shots and he plays extremely hard I think if I had to look at everyone on this list I think Josh has established himself as a bit of a fan favorite but I think Watanabe is going to be coming on his heels for that Dan Marley uh, hustle award I think that he's been talked about in that way Katie talked about him on his podcast like this so you picked Watanabe and Okogi Mm -hmm. Hmm. I'll go Goodwin and KBD Ooh, I'll pick the other two yeah I mean that's the thing right like if we had a question about this team, it's which of these guys on a good team, but they all do winning stuff, right? And that's why it's so tough. And that's why, again, I think the Suns are getting credit because they went out and watched the Spurs and the Trailblazers when not many people did. And they saw these guys hustling and playing, being in the right spots and just 
doing all the right things, even if their team was down 20. And I think that's why they won free agency. And again, like when you say minimum contract, everyone's like, oh, they're going to go get Jeff Green, who's like a dinosaur, and Tristan Thompson, who's like a dinosaur. And it's just that they didn't do that, and they thought about who can maybe even get better, Kellen. Isn't that nice? That pitch for me before we go to break is Jumbo Suns. I'm looking at Jordan Goodwin. He pointed out in his senior year of high school, averaged a double-double with rebounds. He is a 6'3 guard, people. Per 36 minutes for the Wizards last year, nearly seven rebounds a game, nearly two a game on the offensive glass. He's like a mini Tory Craig in that kind of sense. And then KBD, we're just getting bigger. So we're just going jumbo sounds. Even though Jordan's small, we'd just be cleaning up the glass in, in my scenario. I think the one question coming out of the first weekend, Kevin, is did the Phoenix Suns catch the Denver Nuggets? We'll uh, look at the pecking order here in the Western Conference coming up on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Empire of the Suns with Kellen Olson and Kevin Zimmerman. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. On the Arizona Sports app at 98.7. Empire of the Suns podcast, that's what we are. We're here doing a live two-hour version of it. Hope you're enjoying your holiday weekend, day before the fourth. Stay safe out there. Sup, man? How's your day going so far? Talking Suns, I went to the zoo and walked around. It was hot. You guys have been out there at the zoo a lot lately. Is it just a favorite of the kids right now? It's a kid thing, yeah, but also it's a get-out-of-the-house thing, which today was great. Not a lot of people out there. You know what was my favorite place to go? McDonald's. Huh. <laughs> that was my favorite place to go. It wasn't somewhere outside where we could be active. It was Ball like, where guy? can I get whatever has a McFlurry and okay. french fries in it? <laughs> it's like, whatever that is. We hope... I, I tried. I, I couldn't get anywhere there. I really tried. Uh, fun dynamic of the podcast. I try and transfer us out of anything that we say at any point. Big swing and a miss there. But we're talking about the Denver Nuggets and the Phoenix Suns. We're looking at the Western Conference sort of resetting where we are at through the first weekend. I teased plenty of times on the Wolf and Luke show over the last four days of last week that how the Western Conference was going to look for us on Friday as we leave the show compared to Wednesday when we come back and do uh, the next uh, set of programming of, of the regular shows. The Western Conference is going to look a whole lot different, and we have already seen some changes in the Western Conference. I think the biggest question, though, is that coming into the day, I think it was clear, or coming into free agency, I should say, it was clear the Nuggets had separated themselves at the top. They were in their own tier. They had earned that after the way that they had dominated in the season, and they did so with eight guys. They're five starters who we all know. Jeff Green, Bruce Brown, and Christian Brown off of the bench. Bruce Brown was a huge name to watch. He said the classic after winning a championship quote, money isn't everything, something to that extent. Like, I want to stay here in Denver. And then the Indiana Pacers, ring, ring, hello. How's $22 million a year sound, Bruce? And uh, he's going to Indiana now. He got a two-year $45 million deal, a really interesting deal because, Kevin, he can just opt out after a year. I doubt that that happens, but there's even a player option attached to it. It's just a really great bit of business for Bruce Brown, especially. Jeff Green, not playing for his next team, unfortunately, because he's played for the Rockets before. We're hoping he could catch Ish Smith here, a little race for them at the end of the career, their careers to see who could play for more teams. Ish still a free agent. Maybe he's going to add another one to his list. But Jeff Green goes to the Rockets on a one-year deal worth $6 million a year. The Nuggets were in 
a similar position to the Suns where they could only offer the veterans minimum. And for their guys, they could offer a little bit more of a pay bump. But for Bruce Brown, the dynamics of the CBA there, they could only offer him a little under $8 million a year. He gets nearly triple that from yeah. the Indiana Pacers. Just a no-brainer for him in his life. He has bounced around a couple of teams in a couple of different situations, has a career year, has a huge moment in the playoffs, as he should. He went and got that bag. What else did the Nuggets do? They... Gave Reggie Jackson two years and eleven million when he <laughs> didn't play in the playoffs, and then they brought back DeAndre Jordan on the veterans minimum. They signed Justin Holiday on the veterans minimum. Kevin, who is I don't want to call the Landry Shamit rule because people might misinterpret it because there's a couple of different ways to describe Landry, but one of them is you've been on a lot of teams in the last couple of years. Or, or what's going on there exactly? And from the reports that I've seen. His defense is he's a 3 and D wing, quote-unquote. We've talked about him on the podcast plenty as a potential trade target in the past, but 3 and D wing where the defense has dropped off a bit, the shooting is what it is, and he went to Dallas, which is seemingly a great place for a 3 and D wing to thrive, didn't do anything there, really. So as you can tell, the Nuggets got much worse. I don't even want to say worse. They got much worse just because Bruce Brown left, and they have not replaced him with, I guess they've replaced him with Justin Holiday. We've talked about already how much better the Suns have gotten. Kevin, did they catch him? Did the Suns catch them? No, I mean, they have the continuity still in their best players and and their avenues to at least get production back. Like Zeke Naji, our Arizona guy, um, if he develops a little bit of a shot, like he's been talking about this since he left college, which apparently he had a three-point shot at Arizona. We just never saw it. Shouts Sean Miller. If he develops that, then there go the Jeff Green minutes, just a little bit. Um, and he was playing already. If Christian Brown keeps taking steps, like he had a moment in the postseason, I think he's going to take a big leap. If, it was in Miami, right? It was a final yeah. game. Yeah. And, and if we say who's on the most improved list, he's at least in the convo if we're just picking names out of um, thin air. Peyton Watson had a few moments where he went to UCLA, was there a year, and flashed hardly at all. A lot of Anthony say. Simons in Peyton Watson. And what I mean by that is there was a summer where. Peyton, uh, Anthony Simons was talked about incessantly, and he had hardly played for Portland, but it was like Portland just hyping up like, yeah. we've seen this kid take huge, str- and there's so much Peyton Watson buzz coming out of Denver. The UCLA got, got a lot of, he's like a small ball 5-4. He could go well with Aaron Gordon off Buddies the Buddies with KD, a noted oh, buddy of KD. Okay. There's a little bit of stuff going on there. So there are ways they can get there, and then Justin Holiday might eat into those Bruce Brown minutes that you lose and have to fill um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's really a matter of which of those guys are the most excellent role players. Cause they had a lot of great contributions from all those guys. Like, again, they didn't have the deepest team, but they had really good role players and that's where you just have to find that fit. Um, so I, I don't think the Suns can say they're there because they just have way too much, um, to kind of even project into that. Like we've spent the full first hour of this thing talking about who plays even number five starter. So I, I'll, I'll wait until we see a little bit before I proclaim anything. Um, they definitely got closer. Uh, no doubt about that. Can I ask you a dumb question and a mm-hmm. stupid question the way where it's going to make me look so stupid that the people <laughs> listening in their car right now kind of zoning out at the road like we all do are kind of waking up right now. It's like, oh, he's talking to me. All right, I'll listen. How dumb is this guy? What a tease. There you go. We as a country, speaking <laughs> oh, of no. July 4th, <laughs> oh, no, we, don't. <laughs> were, we were competing with another country to get to the moon. You remember oh, the race to get okay. to the moon? Was yeah. it with Russia? 
USSR then. That, that, that's whatever. who it was? Okay. Kevin, there's right? a new race to know. the moon. It's a race to see who can get eight guys first. The Denver Nuggets or the Phoenix Suns. That's where I was going with that. Okay, yeah. I think you can look at these rosters, both Denver and Phoenix, and look at their set four guys for Phoenix and the set five guys for Denver. Let's call it six for Denver. Let's give them Christian Brown. I think that's fair with what you were talking about. Which team can get those other two, four, five guys? Who's going to get them? Because to be clear... Denver, it's just question marks right now. I like Julian Strother out of Gonzaga a lot. They had uh, three picks within like a 12-pick range at the end of the first, early second round. Jalen Pick out of Penn State is a guy that a lot of people like there as well. Hunter Tyson out of Clemson is a shooter. You mentioned Zeke Naji. Vladko Chanchar was someone who had moments. I'm so proud of myself for saying his yeah, name right there. Nice. I did not prepare for that at all and just had it down. He's the guy that kind of got minutes for them the last few years. A bit of a defender, one of their better defenders. Peyton Watson, we mentioned already. Can they get two or three of those guys to get there with Christian Brown off of the bench? Is it just an all day? Is it another signing that we haven't talked well, about yet? Again, to be clear, it's yeah. July 3rd. I mean, the crazy part is they saw this coming, right? Like they made a final trade in the finals. Like their GM should just be like, I'm going to watch the NBA finals. This is great. No, he made a trade because he was panicking. They got some second round picks. They were ready to lose Bruce Brown because they knew the limitations. They were ready to lose Jeff Green, probably. Um, to your point, though, like. Warriors didn't do a whole lot, but they still have pieces and continuity, young pieces that like I have big question marks are about, but if they just snap into place, they know how to snap them, I guess is how to phrase that. Clippers bring back Russ. They got KJ Martin for two second rounders. Uh, he was a guy, the Suns were kind of poking around trying to get him out of the Houston area mm-hmm. um, because he's just a great, really young two-way athletic wing. Plumley comes back. He played pretty well for them. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, if if their stars are healthy, then that's a team that immediately you say, okay, is right there once again, even though I know that's a really giant asterisk. But yeah, there there's a lot of teams at the top, and it's going to be convoluted until we figure out how well the Suns can kind of put this together and patch this together. To answer my own question for myself, did the Suns catch the Nuggets, quote-unquote? I don't think so, but are they in the same tier now as the Nuggets? I do think so, unless that race to the moon, the race to eight guys pans out a certain way in March where we have a ton of question marks about the Nuggets guys, and we feel really clear that the Suns have their eight or nine guys, or vice versa. I think that's a huge thing to watch, specifically for a Denver team. Kevin, I think no one really talked about this, because rightfully so, they focused on the positives and how awesome Denver was, but the only reason we hated Denver going into the postseason was because when Nicole Jokic was on the bench, their numbers fell off a cliff, and then all of a sudden, the postseason, it was just fine. Like it was, I think it ended on the year that they had an equal 0.0 net rating when Nikola Jokic was off the floor, and guess what? Kevin, when he's on the floor, you outscore teams by a lot because he's the best player in the world. So can the Suns figure out that kind of thing with their bench as well because they have more star power? So if the depth is in an even-ish spot, um, at least guys 5 through 8, 6 through 9, whatever you want to put it as, they're going to be in an awesome spot. We've talked about a couple of names here for the Suns that they have added in for agency. Which one was the most important signing? Kevin Zerman and I will talk about that next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.